So I want to start tonight with using a simple meth a simple model of the mind describing a simple model of the mind what the mind is and then um, describing how in the practice of meditation we we work with these different levels of mind and a simple way to describe the mind is to discriminate two levels the subtle level and the coarse level of our mind and the coarse level of our mind that's the level which we are most familiar with that's the level of mind which compares, which gives names, which uh, says this is good and this is bad. The level of our mind where we feel most of the time dissatisfied. So all sense of seeking, all sense of feeling I am incomplete, our sense of feeling of, of feeling not fulfilled you know, it, it happens on that level of mind it is also called the dualistic mind because on that level of mind we always have the sense of it's me perceiving something yeah. so that's the level of mind where we uh, where we most of the time we are occupied with that level of mind and in fact very often that's what we think exists and we take it very serious what is happening on that level of mind as you know we, we, we uh, have uh, very often during the day and uh, through long periods in our life really this feeling of know being tense and crowded and everything is so serious and everything is so self-centered and it's all about me 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 and my problems me and my thoughts me and my story this level of mind what will never be in peace This level of mind will always tell us this is not it. Something else, something is missing. In this something which is missing, that's something in the future. In the beginning of our life, it might be that we think it's finishing school and having a girlfriend and uh, making your own money. And, yeah, and then with 30, we figure out, no, this didn't work. And then the same mind starts to practice meditation or you know, does spiritual work or psychotherapeutical work. And it keeps on going, it keeps on telling, no, this is not it. This level of mind is completely dependent on what is happening on the outside of our world. 
uh, on the outside, in our, in our environment. It's like uh, Lama Yeshe calls it the yo-yo mind. You know? Something good happens, ah, something bad happens, oh, ah, oh, ah, the whole day. Yeah. So that's why we try uh, desperately to arrange our, our, our life in a way that we have a lot of ah, and very little oh. <laughs> yeah. And that's so exhausting. A and it does not work. It's not a strat it is a strategy which, which does not work. Because the, the ah is always, uh, it's always just uh, what causes the R, it's, it's impermanent, it will fade, it, it goes away. Sometimes it lasts only five minutes, a nice cafe latte, sometimes three days buying a new car. But it is not, uh, it, all these experiences where we are, they pass. And the other uh, uh, bad message about the R experience is it does not really feel the thirst. It's, uh, it's, there is a relief, and I'm not saying, of course, it's nice to have experience nice things in our life, but in the end, we are left with a sense of sadness, even almost. A sense of, no. That wasn't it. And avoiding the huh is also uh, not a successful strategy because life is just bringing us all this shit, all these problems, all these things which don't, don't work. So trying to avoid to have uh experiences is also not working. Because that's what we know when we signed the contract of being a human being. Uh, it said, <coughs> it said in that contract, you know, be careful, a lot of problems coming up. <laughs> Think twice before you make this signature. So life is difficult, and uh, there is there is no you know maybe we still have somewhere the hope. There is this one uh, kind of thing which you have not get, which you have not understood yet, which suddenly makes our life free of problems. Like this one workshop, or this one self-help book, or this one very uh, Californian transformative. Uh, NLP uh, <laughs> weekend uh, with Anthony Robbins or something like that where we pay 3,000 euros <laughs> and uh, and then we will not have problems. Yeah? So that, that's not how it is. So that's this level of mind. I think we all know what I'm talking about. And we identify with this level of mind. We think that's who I am. 
the stories we tell on that level of mind, the mental images, the memories we have on that level of mind. That, that is what we think we are. And since uh, at this time this level of mind will completely collapse, disintegrate, dissolve, we are scared to die. And we are scared to, you know, to... We are scared to... Uh, who are we without our stories, without our name, you know, with all the wonderful things we think we know? And so that's what, where we very much identified with. So now there is this subtle level of mind. And this subtle level of mind is called by many different names, depending on the time, the culture, the, the religious backgrounds people have. But what is very beautiful is that a taste, an experience of this subtle level of mind is so common, is such a common human experience that something, that's something which you can talk with any human being on this planet with. And this is experiences we all, uh, we all have had. Maybe we didn't name them mystic or religious, or, but it is moments where we feel connected, where we feel safe, where we feel everything is just good as it is. Moments where we have an opening. Moments where we feel there's more than me and my little pity problems. Yeah? And sometimes this kind of experience are very dramatic for people. I've met many people who have had experience like this and they never talked about it because they feel like I don't know how to, how to talk about this. It's like it sounds so crazy. And for some people it is not that dramatic. It is a moment of just sitting by the beach and the sun sets. It is just you know, falling, uh, looking at your sleeping kids. It is a moment of uh, where you're really in love with someone. A moment, you know, where you have a really difficult day and then you go out and there is a nice autumn outside and you see the trees. And also your life is troubled at that moment. 
connect with. Wow, yeah. It's moments where this kind of, you know, this tendency we have to worry and to compare and to, where somehow through grace or through whatever, it's kind of fades a little. Yeah, and then we, 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 we go home and there it is, you know, <laughs> the, the other level of mind again. And this kind of experience, as I said, is so common. It's one of the things you can talk with. In our Aborigine, you can talk about it with Christians, with Tibetan yogis, you can talk about it with any person, through time. You can talk about this with someone who lived 1,500 years ago. And both of you will know, without finding the same words, without actually knowing what are we talking about, that you're talking about the same thing. So the names in the in the in the Buddhist tradition for this level of mind is Buddha nature, pure pure openness, emptiness. The Tibetan name one Tibetan name for it is Rigpa. One, uh, one uh, Zen master, or in a Zen tradition, they call it big mind. That is maybe kind of, and sometimes we can connect with a kind of intuition <coughs> what I mean just by hearing these names when I say big mind. So it's like, Little mind, self-centered mind, and then big mind. In the, in the Hindu tradition, it is called the witness consciousness, or the ever-present witness. It's also a beautiful word, the ever-present witness. So this level of mind is transpersonal. It is transcultural. It is trans time, tra trans time, <laughs> trans space. It is trans concepts. And one metaphor being used in the Tibetan tradition, which I also use a lot, is the sky and the clouds. Clouds as the metaphor for the dualistic mind, for the content of our mind, and the sky 
as a metaphor for the big mind. Pure awareness is another one. <coughs> And I want to read something from Sogya Rinpoche about this uh, level of mind. It's from a chapter called, it's from the book, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. And it's from the chapter called The Sky and the Clouds. So whatever our lives are like, our Buddha nature is always there and it is always perfect. So this is really such an important teaching in the Buddhist teachings. And in a way, I get, many of us, I guess, can connect with this on an intuitive level. Something resonates in us with this. But I think for some of us, this is also important to actually study more what is meant with Buddha nature. And it is really important that we approach our Buddhist practice from this model, from the model of Buddha nature. If we approach the Buddhist practice from the model of that human beings are screwed up and from a model of that we are basically worthless, then uh, we will misunderstand a lot of the Buddhist teachings. You know, we, we see them from this lens of, oh, something is wrong with me, and there's something which is wrong with me, I need to overcome, or I need to get rid of, or I need to fight with my meditation practice. So it's very different to approach our practice from a from a, from a model or from a view that the deepest level of who I am is perfect, is pure. If we approach our practice from our basic goodness, which we all have in our heart, and not from our basic worthlessness, We say that not even the Buddhas can improve it in their infinite wisdom, nor can sentient beings, beings spoil it in their seemingly infinite confusion. So we can't improve it. Nobody can improve it. Not, all, not even all the Buddhas can improve it. Nor can we, through 
eons of confusion through eons of destructive actions spoil it or harm it or destroy it or poison it in any way. Our true nature could be compared to the sky and the confusion of the ordinary mind to clouds. Some days the sky is completely obscured by clouds. Yeah? Is it? <laughs> Maybe today. So maybe you are in a, in, a, in a time in your life where it feels like that. It's just clouds. Maybe right now a lot of light shines through, a lot of sky shines through in your life. But of course these days will come again. Yeah. Where there will be only clouds. Meaning stress, tension, uh, despair. When we are down on the ground looking up, it is very difficult to believe there's anything else there but clouds. You know, co connect with something like that in your life. You look up and there's just clouds. And this, this, uh, this day will come again, where we will look up, maybe on the way home already, where we will look up and there will be only clouds. Yet, we only have to fly in a plane Yet, we only have to fly in a plane to discover up above a limitless expanse of clear blue sky. From up there, the clouds we assumed where everything seemed... From up there, the clouds we assumed where everything seemed so small and so far away down below. I guess all of you have had an experience like this as well. Yes? This? Yeah. Yes. Discover, yes. They are, yeah, right. Yes, yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. So these moments of um, you no know, getting up in the plane. 
two weeks ago I was in Switzerland and uh, there I always can use the example of mountains. <laughs> it's a little difficult here. But um, what they all can connect with, Swiss people, you know, what they do at the weekend. And I was in Bern, that is like uh, just in front of the Alps. So what happens is that in Bern is, is very often, particularly in, in autumn, it's like clouded, it's, it's uh, covered. Yeah? And it's, it, it's known for that. It is also with some rivers there. And, and what Bern people do in the weekends, you know, they get their backpack and they get up to the mountains. You know? So they can very much connect with this image of there is Bern and there is my stressful life and it's clouded. And in the weekends I go up. And then I break through the clouds. And then I'm there. And I see over the, the valley and the clouds are down there. And somehow also the stress and the tension of one's life stays down in the valley. Yeah. So maybe we know this kind of experience here when we go to the sea. We should always try and remember. And that's really, you know, if we really remember, and if we, in our practice, and I will talk about you know, how in our practice actually get into a plane. That's what we do in our practice, in our meditation practice. We get into the plane, and we break through this, the clouds, and we discover the sky is always there. And then even if it gets very, very difficult in our life, we can get to a point where we at least have the, have the, have the really the, 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 deep, um, the deep trust, the deep connection that the sky is there, even if it doesn't seem like that right now in my life. And then, uh, and that's in a way good, life will become so difficult that we will lose it again. It's almost as if there's a plan behind this. That, that life tends, uh, tends to bring us those challenges which are too much for us so that we are asked to deepen our practice or we are invited to discover humility yeah. so these moments where we think we fail in our practice because we lost direction for some time or we lose our trust into the practice. We feel like we lost the path. And this is part of our, of our journey as practitioners, these moments. 
we should always try and remember the clouds are not the sky and do not belong to it. They only hang there and pass by in their slightly ridiculous and non-dependent fashion. And they can never stain or mark the sky in any way. So now I made this, this thing <coughs> and um, I guess in the back you can't read it, but it does not matter. <laughs> so this is a, a diagram of uh, these two levels of mind. And, uh, this part, the black part and the blue part, is the dual mind, and the red part is the non-dual mind. The black part is the clouds, and the red part is the sky. Yeah? So that's why I made this red, this, maybe I should have made it in blue, but, so th that's why I made this. It's like the sun, yeah? The sun shining, the background. And then I, I wrote different names. Non-dual mind, witness, the ever-present witness. Here I wrote Buddha nature. Yeah. Here I wrote emptiness. And here I wrote big mind. And here I wrote pure openness. All different different names for that what with which cannot named, that which cannot be named. Uh, well, it can be named, of course, <laughs> because I just did it. <laughs> it cannot be talked about. It is, in a way, it is not a thing. In a way, it does not exist. Not in the way the things on this level exist. But it can be experienced, as you know. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. A feeling belongs to this. A feeling comes and goes. What we are talking about here, on that level of mind, is something which does not come and go. It's not the content of our experience. It is that what experiences. And it can't be understood. If you feel confused right now, that's a good place. A very good place. You're much closer to this when you're confused than when you think, ah, I understood it. Now I know what they're talking about. Then you are far off. So to be in a place where, uh, what is he talking about? I don't understand this. Yeah. Of course, because I don't understand what I'm talking about. Nobody understood ever what I'm talking about. It is that what is 
trying to understand. One, uh, one metaphor here is um, you know, when you have a flashlight, it's a metaphor for meditation practice. You have a flashlight, like a flashlight, you know, like. So, in in a in in the beginning stage of our meditation practice, what we focus on is that what is illuminated by the flashlight, the content. Yeah. Uh, sensations in our body, the breath, feelings, thought, sound, smell, taste. That's what we focus on, on our, in our meditation practice. That is what uh, is being taught usually when you go to a mindfulness course. That's being taught. Okay, these are the objects of your meditation. And then you get a description on how to meditate on the breath, how to meditate on the feelings, how to meditate on the thoughts. And, and this is what I'm just saying. This is like a diagram where, where you find all these different objects, yeah? uh, which are the content of our experience. So that's one way to meditate. It's like the mind illuminates or is aware of the objects, of the content of our experience. Then there is a stage of our meditation where we bring our attention to the light, not to the, not to the objects which are illuminated, but to the light, to awareness itself. And that's meditation where you are helped by the teachers through metaphors like sky, you know, openness. They use metaphors to uh, introduce you to this quality of knowing, not to, the, not to what you know, but to the cognitive process of knowing, which is the same. You know, it does not matter if you see, uh, if you see this or that, from the point of the process of seeing, it's, it, it's the same. So you can, you can bring your attention to the process, to the cognitive process. But what we actually want to do in our practice is to be the light. Or we are the light anyway, to recognize that we are the light. We are that what is aware. What we want to do is, we, in our practice, we want to shift our sense of identity from this level, from the foreground, to the background. We want to shift our sense of identity from the clouds, which are changing moment by moment, which are impermanent, which are self-centered, to the background.
And a liberated person is a person who has done this so radically, this shift, that no matter what happens in the foreground, no, no matter what happens in the content of one's experience, this person is never disturbed by it, is liberated from it, and yet completely intimate with it. So not liberated in the sense of like going somewhere else, being somewhere else. No. Being in the world, but not being of the world. It says somewhere in the Bible, I think. Yeah? Being in the world, being intimate with the content of our experience, paying the bills, having relationships, and so on and so on, but being not identified with it, but being identified with the background, with the openness, with that what is aware. That what is, that what is beyond death as well. So a person like this is not afraid of death. Because for this person, all what happens in death is that the content changes. Any questions? <laughs> Maybe you manage to listen lightly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, being bored happens it happens here on that level of mind. Yeah. But uh, yeah, being bored is, is very important. <laughs> uh, and uh, it is um, it is um, initially a little challenging to be bored, yeah? But then you need to become really bored. <laughs> and then uh, yeah and then it ha then it can be um, being bored can be a, a good way for um, some shift happening yeah? so you mean if, if I'm bored just be bored yes yeah 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 sure and uh, of course it will change yeah, that, that's, that's anyway, because the, the content of our experience always will change at one point. Uh, but the, the boredom might be a good, uh, a good place where you, uh, you know, where you are, where you can become aware of the background. I forgot now the list of the different kinds of boredoms. 
but there is a, there is different kinds of broadens. Uh, yeah, it is something which is part of our practice as no tiredness, as uh, restlessness, as. Yes, yeah, and that's also a very interesting uh, part of our meditation practice, of course, is to investigate into this level of mind. And um, I will talk about this uh, after the break. Uh, and then we discover things like that. Okay, first it seems to be boredom, but then if you look a little deeper, then you discover maybe some restlessness. Then you look even more deeper and then you discover some fear or some sadness. Or so it's quite often that we work through like layers of different feelings. So in our meditation practice, initially, we work mainly with this level of mind. We work with our feelings, with the sensations in our body, with our thoughts. And we do that to, in a way, we do that to, to calm down a little bit that level to make it a little bit, m to, to, to heal it, to allow it to become more transparent, yeah? to take it less serious. Because it is quite understandable that if we are in a very tense state of mind, then it is, the sky is always there. The, the sky doesn't care if we are tense or not, but for us, to have a, a sense of that there is a sky is very difficult when we are angry, when we are addicted, when we are in, in strong states of mind. So we need to work with these states of mind so that then the light can show through more and more. So that's all the preliminary practices in Tibetan Buddhism is about, you know, purification is about uh, putting some openness into it through devotion to a teacher, through a wonderful way to bring openness into this level of mind is through compassion. So all the uh, practices of uh, developing love and compassion, they are also a way to, you know, to uh, uh, um, bring uh, openness into the density of that level which uh, comes also from self-centeredness. So a lot of our practices are working with that level, with this level of mind. Of course, in a way, and then we will, that's the last thing I say. Of course, whatever we do on this level of mind will not bring us closer to the sky.
It's just shoveling around clouds. So to think like with 100,000 prostrations, one is closer to the sky. You know, the, the sky cracks up because uh, he, he is always there. She is always there, absolutely perfect, just waiting in a, in, to embrace us. And we are like kind of, we are like fish, you know, swimming in the ocean, desperately looking for water. You know, where's water? Where's water? And then, then, then you're swimming 100,000 kilometers. We think that we come closer to the water. So that's, uh, in a way, uh, frustrating news. But it's also the best news we ever got. <laughs> yeah. Frustrating in a sense that, you know, through all your prostrations and stuff, yeah, forget it. That's of course a little. Now I and now I will go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> No, it seems that experience shows, and it's a paradox, experience shows that this kind of practices done with the right, in the right environment, with the right devotion, uh, with the, you know, that there is, um, that we increase the possibility, the probability to have tastes of the sky. But if we become too preoccupied with you know, getting things done, then actually our own practice becomes an obstacle. Yes? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yes. You actually have much more energy to get things done mm -hmm. because we usually live our life in resisting what is happening on this level. And this resisting our own feelings, our own energy, you know, trying to control it, trying to manage it, takes so much energy that some people, they are so busy with resisting their own energy, they, they don't have any energy left to do anything else. Yeah. And then also what happens is that this level of mind has an evolutionary, 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 evolutionary impulse in it for growth, for connecting, for, for developing, for, um, yeah, which will uh, spontaneously show in our actions, in our words, as the masters do.
the, the, uh, usually when we, in politics, you mention politics, there usually things get done because people are self-centered and greedy and aggressive. Yeah. Okay, let's have a break. Ha, 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 ha.